Warren Moon coming off a Rose Bowl triumph to the Canadian Football League and immediate Grey Cup success with the Edmonton Eskimos. And now five Grey Cup rings will adorn his fingers. Well, one of the great perks of the gig hosting the Waggle is we get to talk to all sorts of rock stars and legends along the way. And right here is one of the all-time great rock stars and legends in, in my lifetime, a huge fan for me uh, watching when I was a kid. And uh, although I, I have to say, seeing pictures of this guy now, I'm still not used to seeing him without the mustache. One of the all-time greats. And I mean all-time greats, Hall of Famer Warren Moon. Warren, welcome to the Wagland. Uh, nice to connect with you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. You know, I always wanted to be a rock star, and uh, you know, I think every entertainer wants to be an athlete, and every uh, athlete wants to try and be an entertainer. I play a mean air guitar, but that's about <laughs> as far as I go. But I've always wanted to be up on stage and rocking it with some of those guys that are up there right now. Okay, so if you were, okay, were going to get on stage with somebody to rock out, what band would be your go-to, or what what uh, what what singer or rock star would you want to rock out with? I'd go with the uh, the Rolling Stones because uh, Mick Jagger. That guy has more energy for a guy in his seventies than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> if you've ever been to one of their their concerts where they have these huge stages that go from one side to the other and up the front, and he covers all of that thing and. And uh, he has to be in tremendous shape and have great, uh, great energy. And to be going this long and making the type of money that they're still making, they would be the ones I would want to be. I'm just curious, in a charmed life that you've had, have you ever met the Rolling Stones? I have met uh, a couple of the band members, and uh, I've met a lot of different people along the, along the way, which is a, a great part of being a... Uh, being who I am right now, that you get a chance to meet some of the people that you idolize and, and people that you rooted for uh, in, in different sports and people that you cheer for in entertainment. So that's one of the great perks of, uh, of being who I am right now. And, and uh, I really enjoy those people because they're, they're just normal people when it comes down to it, but they just have tremendous talent. Membership has its privileges. So tell me this, Warren, uh, you're a Hall of Famer. You're described as a legend, a trailblazer. Uh, you were a star in some video games back in the day, but tell me, who in your <laughs> mind, in your mind, who's Warren Moon? You know, I'm a guy from uh, from Los Angeles, California, that grew up in a house with uh, without a dad, and I had six sisters and a, and a mom, and I, I had to become the uh, the man of the house at a very young age. So <clears throat> I was somebody that was very driven. I was mature for my age because of what I went through early, and. And uh, my mom taught me a lot about respect for other people. She taught me a lot about giving. And uh, she also taught me a great work ethic. And I put all those things together, and it made me the uh, the football player, and it made me the person that I am today, a guy that uh, did very well in my sport, You know, a guy that uh, takes care of a lot of different people in my life and also doesn't, um, doesn't forget about the less fortunate. So that's kind of who I am right now. Tell me this, maybe paint the picture for us here and take us back to a time in the 1970s where, you know, you're, you're coming out of college and it's certainly not the 60s, but, and, and the extremes of the civil rights movement and all that. But, you know, I look back at the 60s, there were a lot of, you know, social sort of political sort of statement shows that were really big on television in those days. You had Archie Bunker, you had Good Times. I mean, we're talking, and in the same vein, you're also talking less than 40 years ago in some respects, where you're, 
you know, this star quarterback coming out of college, but you know, you couldn't get a sniff at the NFL at that time still. Were there was there still that stigma that that lingered? Oh, no question about it. Uh, that uh that stereotype about African Americans being able to play the position at a high level was still there and unless they felt like you were um I just a can't miss guy. Uh, you weren't gonna, you know, you weren't gonna get drafted, and you weren't gonna be allowed to play quarterback. And that's what I was told. Even though, you know, I had a really good senior year uh, in college. I was a Pac-8 Player of the Year. I was a Rose Bowl Most Valuable Player. You know, we were Pac-8 champions. Um, and I wasn't gonna even get an opportunity to see if I could play the position. So, yeah, that's kind of where we were at that time, and and I understood it, and, and I knew that it was going to be difficult for me to play the position, but I still wasn't going to back down from it because I felt like I could play it. And as long as somebody was going to give me an opportunity to to play the position, whether it was in the NFL, whether it was in Canada, or whether it was in Siberia, I was going to take that opportunity and, and go play. And um, and that's what happened to me with Canada. They gave me the opportunity to play quarterback, and that's why I chose to come to the CFL as opposed to changing positions or taking my chances of, of uh, maybe getting a chance to play quarterback in the NFL. I went where somebody was going to give me a chance to, to really play the position. And that's why I'm so much in debt to the CFL for, um, you know, for them having that confidence in me for Hugh, Cam- Hugh Campbell having that hot, uh, confidence in me uh, as a head coach and the Edmonton Eskimos, they gave me that chance and uh, I just took it and ran with it. So, okay, before, before we get to the what got you to Canada, the, it, it fascinates me because, like you said, you were the man of the house at a young age. You were a mature guy. You had success on the field. I'm sure that, you know, the scouting sort of system that we have in place, the elaborate background checks, all of it probably wasn't as in great detail in the late 1970s. But I'm sure if you would have talked to general managers and coaches, you probably would have resonated incredibly well with them, having a you know showing your maturity, and and yet they're telling you, hey, you want to try a different position, maybe. But it started even earlier than that. Even going to high school, you know, I had a, a tough time playing quarterback uh, at the high school that I went to because the coach really? didn't want me to play, and I was uh, I was third string, and then. And then I make, uh, by the time I'm done, you know, my, the varsity coach gives me a chance to play uh, a varsity uh, quarterback. And, and I, I turn that into a, uh, you know, an all, uh, all city, all state career. And, but I can't get recruited by major colleges uh, to play quarterback. Uh, they all wanted to change my position coming out of high school. So I went to junior college for a year. So it started for me a lot earlier than just going from, from college to, uh, to the pros it started all the way back in high school and then high school trying to get to college. And, uh, you'd be surprised at some of the stories I had to, uh, I had to uh, maneuver in order to get recruited by major universities just to get them to see my film because coaches wouldn't allow them to do it. So it was a journey for me. There's no question about it. The way I went about it is not the way that most guys I'm sure get recruited and, and get attention to, to play at the different levels. But in my mind, uh, and, and in my um, in, in my confidence, I felt like I was good enough to play because of at every level that I played at, I played at the highest level. So it was just uh, in, inside of me that if I'm going to be one of the best to play high school football in that city, if I'm going to be the, one of the best to play college football on the West Coast, if I'm going to be the best, then I should get a chance to play at the next level. I'm not saying you should give me a chance to, I mean, you should, you should guarantee me anything, but you should at least give me a chance to show what I can do. And if I'm not good enough, then I'll be the first one to bow out. But without the opportunity, 
uh, you can't show what you can do. And that's what I was not given along the way. Yeah, no question about it. And, and so they're, they're telling you to change your position. So now after all of this, you, you have a great season to kind of close out your senior career in Washington. So who puts the bug in your ear about the idea of Canada? Because I'm assuming, and maybe I'm wrong on this, you probably had never crossed the border north up until the opportunity came for you to play pro football in Canada. I had been to uh, Vancouver once. It was only a couple hours from our campus in Seattle. So okay. I had been up there before. Uh, just just to see the city of Vancouver, and I'd went to the you know the, to the park over there and the aquarium and all that stuff. But I had never uh, really watched a whole lot of uh, Canadian league football. I had seen it some because Condridge Holloway was a guy that I really followed in college, and I knew he went up there, and I knew there were a lot of other African American quarterbacks that went up there, but never saw a lot of them play. But Coach Campbell um, came down to see me, and, and uh, he, he told me that I was on their negotiating list, that he um, he thought I had the ability to play pro football. And then we sat and watched film, and and we um, talked a lot about, you know, what his team was about, what Edmonton was about, and, and how he felt like I could fit into that. And so he can kind of convince me, along with the fact that my attorney at that time, Lee Steinberg, was getting a lot of information from the NFL that they just weren't going to give me a chance to play quarterback. And if I did get drafted as a quarterback, it would have been way at the end of the draft. Uh, but most teams wanted to change me to a wide receiver or defensive back. So I had a big decision to make because playing in the NFL was a dream of mine as a kid. And, and I felt like I did everything to put myself in a position to get that chance, but it just seemed like it wasn't going to happen. So I, rate, I went with the pros and the cons, and, and, the, and the, the pros weighed out of me going to Canada and, and giving up that opportunity to go play a position that I loved and I felt I could be good at, and, and that's why I decided to go to Canada. Uh, what was the first trip like to Edmonton? Because, you know, it's one thing to go to Vancouver, and it's another thing to go into, say, Montreal or Toronto, which are more cosmopolitan cities, but... Edmonton in the late 70s is probably a different animal, and no slight to anybody from Edmonton listening right now, but it was a different animal than some of the bigger cities, right? Well, my my initial visit was in uh, February, so you can imagine <laughs> what it was like in February. You're Edmonton, a SoCal Alberta. guy, yeah. That's cold. I got a, I got a chance to see Clark Stadium. And sat up, I, think, I think the capacity was about 26,000, and uh, there was snow probably up to the first level of seats <laughs> in the stadium. But, but right over about maybe 200 yards away was uh, the new Commonwealth Stadium that was under construction for the uh, Commonwealth Games. So that was going to be our stadium when I did come there. So that was something that I, I had to look forward to playing in a beautiful, nice new stadium. Um, but again, that, that stadium had about four feet of snow on it at the time that I was up there. So I knew it was going to be a, a, a culture shock for me in a lot of different ways, especially with the weather. Um, but you know, if that's what it took for me to play football, I was going to do it. And if, if other guys could go and play in that type of weather, if other guys could play up there, then I felt like I could play up there as well. So it was more about the, the community. It was more about the, uh, the organization itself and, and the football team that I would be coming to that, that really uh, sold me on coming up there because it was a good football team already. They had a lot of veterans on that team. Uh, they were a team that was hungry to try and get back to a great cup and win it. And uh, I just kind of wanted to be a part of all of that. So uh, there was an, enough uh, good things about me going to Edmonton there than there were bad. I mean, weather is going to be negative if I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, or Cleveland, Ohio, or wherever a cold city is in the United States. So it didn't matter if it was in Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada, or if it was somewhere in the United States. Did you find much of an adjustment to the game 
obviously it's a it's a bit of a different animal than than what you're playing in college uh, but you had success right out of the gate it seemed that part of it was uh was a, sh- a shock to me watching watching <laughs> my first preseason game from the sideline because tom wilkinson <laughs> was our starter at that time but he was a guy that really took me under his wing and along with uh, bruce lemmerman who was our other quarterback and they really showed me the way as far as how to study how to uh, study opponents, uh, giving me a lot of tips on on the uh, the talent that we were playing against because they knew the personnel in the league more so than I did. So they really made the transition easy for me, and and I went to a team that I didn't have to you know try and be the starter right away and and have to carry the football team. It was a lot of leadership on that team, and I was able to just kind of work my way in and and uh, and get my feet wet. And before you know it. You know, I was out there on the field playing a lot. So it, it was a great transition for me as a young player coming to a new team and a new uh, a new type of, uh, of game because the Canadian Football League game is totally different from, from the, uh, the United States game. And, and you, you attack it a different way. You, you, uh, you game plan it a different way. Just a lot of different things that you need to learn on the, on the fly. Do you have a favorite Grey Cup victory? Probably the one, the first one after Wilkie retired, um, where it was kind of me on, on my own, you know, because we had done a lot of those great, those first, I think, three great cups together uh, as, a, as a tandem. And uh, we were a very tough tandem to deal with because, you know, we had two different styles and, and defenses had to really prepare for both of us. And you know, we didn't really give you enough time in a week to prepare for both of the styles that we had. So we, it made it difficult for teams to defend us. But then once Wilkie was gone, it was all on my shoulders to keep this uh, this string going and and uh, to see if I could do it by myself. And and so that that I think it was the fourth one that was a satisfying one for me because um, I was able to do it not so much by myself as a team, but by myself at the quarterback position because my backup uh, didn't play very much that year. Matt Dunnigan. He was more of just a backup. Where when I played with Wilkie, you know, we split time uh, as far as how much we played. And so that was that was your that was your fourth one, and is that is that the one? Correct me if I'm wrong, but is that not the one against Ottawa? Uh, no, I think it was against uh, Hamilton. I want to say. Okay, you got, and you guys throt and you guys throttled the the tabbies. I think in that you guys or you guys won handily. I guess I should say with. Yeah, uh, yeah, we beat them pretty good, and then the next year we beat Toronto. Um, in Toronto, that was a pretty good one too, because Toronto was a high powered team that year, and. And uh, everybody thought that was going to be a pretty competitive one, but we got after them pretty good too. You know, my first experience in sports heartbreak was that one in 1981 where you guys beat Ottawa 26-23 uh, in in Montreal, and you guys were you guys were down big at halftime, and then you guys come back to win to win that one. And and for me, growing up in Ottawa, it was like, ah oh, man, you guys. I mean, do, do you remember much about that one? I do. I remember we. I think we uh, were down at halftime, twenty-one to one or something like yeah, that. And uh, exactly. we went in. At, we went in at halftime, and and uh, we had to really regroup. But we just weren't playing our game. And uh, J.C. Watts was running all over the place. Mm-hmm. We couldn't tackle him. And it was kind of an icy and sleek, sleeky day that day. And we were having a tough time throwing the ball and catching the football. Uh, so we had to kind of change our game plan in the second half and go to more of a you know of our running game with the Jim Germany and more of a short passing game and. Our defense just really buckled down and, and got after it and, and shut them out. And, and uh, we ended up coming back and winning that football game on a Dave Cutler field goal. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a great comeback for us and a game that we were probably favored by 17 points or more more to win it going in because I think 
Ottawa might have had a, a 500 or losing record coming into the game, but they just did well in the playoffs. So everybody expected us to blow them out, but they came out and played some inspired ball and really made a game for it. So when did the NFL become a reality for you in the end? Probably my second to last year. That's when uh, teams really started showing a lot of interest in me, and, and the Houston Oilers showed, showed the most. Um, but I was still under contract, and I couldn't get out of my contract. So I'm, I might have left uh, after that last Grey Cup, but I played one more season because our team was, was uh, really getting old at that time. A lot of guys were starting to retire and just not you know, at the top of their game anymore. I think our run was over, and I kind of knew that. And because I had accomplished so much up there, um, I was just looking for, for new – you know, just just for some new uh, adventures and and uh, new challenges in my career. And, and the NFL was always in the back of my mind that I, I wanted to wanted to feel like uh, in my mind that I could play in that league because everybody kept telling me that I couldn't, and that that drove me more to want to to see if I could play in that league. So uh, because of everything that happened in Canada, because of uh, of that burning desire to play in a league, you know, which is where I was from. I wanted to go back to the NFL. So I got the interest from the teams that, uh, that wanted to, to sign me. And then we went about that process and it, wor- it worked out very well for me. I became the highest paid player in the league at that time. And I went to the Houston Oilers and Hugh Campbell was the head coach. So it was, it was a great uh, situation for me, but uh, we were a very, very young football team. Um, it was a team that was only two and 14 before I got there and, and Hugh, and then we knew it was going to be a rebuilding process. So it was going to take some time and it did. And, but, but three years later, you know, we were in the playoffs and we were a perennial playoff team after that. Now, right now on CFL.ca, there is the moon one-on-one series with you and commissioner Jeffrey Orridge, which is just fantastic. And if you haven't had a chance, anybody listening to this right now, you've got to check it out on CFL.ca. But you talked about death threats when you were in Houston. Did did you really have to endure some of those? Yeah, I mean, I endured them on the road and and um, you know, Why? Some at home as well. But uh, <laughs> I I still want to know too because it's, it's basically a football game. You know, why yeah. why does somebody want to kill you over a football game? But but I received them back in high school as well from gang members. So it wasn't something that was new to me. But I felt like uh, I'm in the NFL now and there shouldn't be any gangs that are threatening me to, to kill me, uh, in a football game. And I don't know how much of it was, was serious or not, but you have to take it serious. So when a call comes into a stadium and our security people get, uh, get these type of threats and they have to protect me after the game is over, uh, to get me off the field, uh, you got to take it seriously. So yeah, those things happen. No question about it. And, um, that's just kind of the time that that, that we lived in. You, uh, well, I mean, it's crazy, and that's and that's in the mid nineteen eighties, which is, it it wow, it, that's it's shocking to hear. And, and I, I was kind of floored when I when I heard the conversation that you referenced, and it's just unbelievable. So, tell me this: Why did you succeed um, so quickly in the NFL? Well, I don't know if it was quickly, but I think my Canadian Football League experience really helped me as far as. Continuing, continuing me to improve um, because even if I would have stayed in the NFL and you're a backup and you're not playing and you're standing on the sideline, you're not getting a chance to play and, and really um, improve. You're not getting a chance to, to be in situations like two-minute drills and third-down situations and red zone situations, just playing the game. 
And I think playing the game for me, being up in Canada, no matter, even though it was a different game, it was still football. Um, it, it just it just sharpened my skills and it let me work on my game. So when I came to the National Football League, I had a, t- a tremendous amount of confidence. I did have to, you know, change the way I played the game as far as uh, the field being smaller and and uh, you know just the way you approach the game in the NFL because it's a different game. But other than that, um, I think I was really able to, per- to perfect my game a little bit more when I was in Canada. So the Canadian Football League helped me in that way. It was so fun watching you with the Oilers. Uh, you know, that receiving core is so much depth. And I mean, they're, you, you basically, I mean, don't get me wrong, you had some talent too. But at the same time, you kind of made five guys into, you know, very good receivers uh, with that offense in Houston. It was it was something to behold. Um I still think back, and I'm sure you're probably asked about it, and I hate to dredge it up if uh, if I'm going to get roasted for asking you this, but that AFC playoff loss to Buffalo, I mean, does that thing still sting first off? And secondly, what happened? Well, you know, it only stings when people like you bring it up. And <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I have I'm to try sorry. And I have to, re- and I have to relive it again. But um, to tell you what happened, the, the main thing I can say what happened is we just took our uh, our foot off the pedal and, and we didn't uh, we just didn't keep continuing to be be aggressive once we got the lead and and once the uh, the momentum changed and Buffalo made some plays and and you know recovered an onside kick and got possession of the ball again and made some more plays and we were playing more of a, a pre prevent type of defense mm-hmm. uh, that was allowing them to you know make big plays in the passing game and. Uh, offensively, I don't think we were as aggressive as we needed to be as well. So we allowed them to get back into the game. And, and, and when you do that, especially being on the road and momentum changes, it's hard to get it back. And, and that's exactly what happened to us. And you saw the same thing happen this year in the Super Bowl with, uh, with Atlanta. Yeah. They had a 25 point, they had a 25 point lead in the second half and, uh, they weren't as aggressive. They missed some, some different opportunities and the Patriots, uh, got a few turnovers and, and, uh, you know, kept scoring and next thing you know you're in overtime and the next thing you know the game is over and that's exactly kind of how our game went back in that playoff game it's the old saying that so you know that some of us like to use the old prevent prevents the win right it's uh um you know did you feel when you were down in the u.s i feel like everybody up here and even those of us that weren't necessarily edmonton eskimo fans uh, were Warren Moon fans when you went south of the border. And I think a lot of us, and I think I can speak for a lot of Canadian Football League fans listening to this right now, can can speak to the fact that I think there was part of, you know, you carried the flag for us in a lot of ways to kind of help validate the league to say, hey, you know what, there are some good players here. Look no further than this guy. Um, did, did you feel that support from Canada? Well, I mean, you know, you're entrenched into the NFL and, you know, the CFL is miles away, but did, did you feel that support from north of the border? I really did. Um, you know, I did a lot of interviews when I was uh, in in Houston, back into Canada, uh, just because of, you know, uh, my familiarity with, with, with the league and, and people knowing who I was. So I definitely felt the, uh, the attention. I felt the love that was coming from Canada. I got a lot of fan mail from people from uh, Canada about uh, watching me play and that. So, yeah, that part of it was great. I, I always had tremendous support uh, when I was in Canada and, and then once I left from Canadians. So that was something that I'll always treasure. You, these days, um, a few years ago, you were helping mentor young quarterbacks like Cam Newton. Do, do you still help me- mentor young quarterbacks? 
Yeah, I do. I have relationships with a lot of different guys, and uh, I'm, I'm actually going to Cam Newton's uh, fundraising event in a couple of weeks. And, you know, uh, Russell Wilson is a very good friend of mine. I, I get to see him on a weekly basis because I do games for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So um, I talk to him all the time. And, you know, just a lot of different quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor is a guy that I keep in pretty good contact with, uh, E.J. Manuel. And, and I can go on and on uh, with guys that I've uh, – you know, talk to or, or try to you know, give them advice and make the game a lot easier or the transition a lot easier for them as they come into the league. And I always wished I had somebody like that when I came into the league to kind of help me with the transition. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do for all these young guys as they come in is, is try and just give them as much advice as I possibly can to help them make it, uh, make it easy. Because it's tough playing the, the position of quarterback. A lot comes along with it, not just playing on the field, but all the different responsibilities you have off the field and, and uh, in the community and, um, you know, with the, with the um, organization wants you to do for them as far as those obligations. So there's a lot put on your plate because you're considered a leader in your community when you become an NFL quarterback. And, and there's a lot that comes along with that for a young guy. And you're just trying to learn the game and learn, learn your teammates and learn the offense that you have to learn. But you have all this other stuff that's dumped on you as well. So I just try and make uh, that transition as smooth as I can for these young guys and help them any way I possibly can. Yeah, really, because you know whether whether you want to accept that role or not, it's it's a role when you're a quarterback of of an NFL team. It's it's way more than just being the quarterback. I mean, you're essentially the face of the community. You become the face of the city for for some people outside of the market in so many different capacities. Um, we talked about it at the outset of this conversation, but. You know, from when you were breaking into pro football, uh, and you know some of the hurdles and challenges you had to overcome, it's 2017 now. Do the similar prejudices still exist amongst black quarterbacks like you had to endure in the late 70s? No, not in the game of football itself. I think it, within football, whether it's ownership, whether it's uh, general managers, whether it's coaching, scouting, they understand now that it doesn't matter you know what color you are. Uh, if you can help us win, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take you. And and you can look and see with a Cam Newton or a Michael Vick or guys like or a um, Jameis Winston, all number one overall picks in the draft, uh, countless numbers of first round draft picks at quarterback. Uh, there's no problem with that. They feel like we've seen where these guys can play this position at a very high level. So. We're going to go after the best player. It doesn't matter what color he is. It doesn't matter what nationality or ethnicity he is. It, 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 if you can play, you're going to be uh, you're going to be drafted. And I mean, even Marcus Mariota, who's Hawaiian, you know, he's a, a first round pick. Uh, I think number one and number two overall pick. So, uh, no, I don't think that exists anymore within the game. Are there opinions outside of the game from maybe analysts or maybe from media people, you know, about African Americans or other? Uh, minorities playing the position maybe so and that's something that's that's personal probably and more deep-rooted but as far as in the game and being able to get the opportunity to play I don't think those those are a problem anymore um it's interesting that you mentioned that Lee Steinberg was your lawyer to kind of help get you signed sealed and delivered up here and and to come up to Canada originally and here's Lee Steinberg almost 40 years later uh, getting Vince Young signed, sealed, and delivered to come play with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this year. Have you had a conversation about to, with Vince at all about what he can maybe expect or what sort of advice would you give him? 
Well, I haven't, but I saw that that, that happened, and uh, Lee and I are still very good friends. But um, I think it's a great opportunity for him because he's coming to a city that probably has some of the best fans in the CFL uh, for, for the number of fans that they have. I mean, I, I used to hate going to Saskatchewan and play because, you know, they had 35,000 people there, but they sounded like 70,000. And they really got behind their team. They have a brand-new stadium that I've had a chance to go in uh, about a month ago when I was there for CFL week. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful place for them to play. Uh, and I think Vince still has some good football left in him. Uh, he's a very exciting player. His his style really fits into the Canadian Football League because he can move around as well as have a, a powerful arm. Uh, and he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's gone, even in the NFL. So I think it's a great move for him if he still uh, you know has that same desire and and uh, still wants to work hard and, and go out there and, and make things happen. Is it realistic to expect anything out of him based on how long it's been since he's played pro pro ball, pro ball? No, it's like riding a bike. You know, all he has to do is get back in the in the swing of things. He keeps himself in great condition. Uh, like I said, he can still throw the football. He can still move around, and he's not that old a guy. Uh, there's a lot of older quarterbacks probably in the in the CFL right now than Vince Young. So um, we'll have to wait and see when he gets on the field. I'm sure he'll have a little rust in the beginning, but uh, like I said, it's still football. And this guy was one of the great uh, great football players that I ever watched in college. I think. I watched the game against Texas and USC, probably one of the best college football games I ever attended. And he was the MVP by a long shot with probably over 500 yards of total offense in that game. He was amazing. Yeah, one of the great, not only one of the greatest college games ever, just one of the greatest football games to ever watch. That uh, was still unbelievable to watch. Now, just based on him say, that you saying it's just like riding a bike, can we suggest here now on the waggle that in 2017, it's just like riding a bike, and maybe Warren Moon might consider a comeback as well. That ain't happening, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can still throw the football, but uh, my legs don't move like they used to. And if your legs don't move, you will get hurt playing this game with all these young guys. So if I if I can't protect myself, and um, if I don't have those quick feet like I need to have in that pocket, it could be a long afternoon for me. And and. <laughs> I, I really had a good career. I had a long career, longer than I ever thought I would play. I accomplished more than I ever thought I would accomplish. So uh, it's time for me to move on and let these young guys do the rest of it. Warren, hey, listen, on behalf of everybody uh, across the Canadian Football League, first off, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, thanks for taking the time to share uh, some of the stories over the years and over the course of your unbelievable career. And not only that, um, thanks for waving the Canadian Football League flag after all this time. You know, at a time where the amount of success that you had in the National Football League, I think it would have been really easy, and I think a lot of people would have completely understood you kind of saying, peace, I'm out of here, and uh, see you later, Canada. But you've continually come back and, and shown support and shown love to this league, and I think uh, everybody that's a fan of this league uh, certainly appreciates you doing that over all these years. So thank you very much. Yeah, well, with me, I'm very loyal, and that's something you'll always know about me, whether it's to my friends or my family or, or even a country like Canada that gave me an opportunity and a chance where my own country wouldn't even do that. So um, I will always love the, the Canadian Football League. I will always love Canada, and I'll always love the friends and relationships that I was able to make up there and will continue to keep coming back. So uh, thanks for having me on the show today, and uh, look forward to talking to you down the road sometime. The legendary Warren Moon joining us on The Waggle.